0: Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. We live in a life that's kind of messy. Uh, it's it's not the way it's supposed to be. We live in this sinful world, and we, we see sometimes some paradoxes that, that just... They don't seem like they should be that way. Um, the preacher in Ecclesiastes talks tonight about how you know he has seen how someone who was righteous dies young. And then someone who is wicked who lives to a ripe old age. And that's, that's kind of paradoxical. It shouldn't be that way. Um, and he, he talks so much also about how the fact is that we're all sinners. Even the, the greatest and the most righteous of people, um, we, we still sin. We still fall short of God's standards. And, and he says something really strange in this passage. He, he says not to be too righteous. That sounds kind of weird to us not to be too righteous. What does he mean by that? Uh, I think when we, we, we hear him say not to be too righteous. I think we should think of the Pharisees, those not so much self-righteous, but, but a a kind of righteousness. That's just trying to be super righteous. That is trying to somehow gain God's acceptance by being good. Um, And, uh, Maybe this would be a good um, way to get across the idea of being super righteous. Um, maybe you've seen or, or maybe you've read um, the, the novel by uh, Victor Hugo, uh, Le Misérables. <clears throat> Um, Les Miserables, uh, it, it tells the story of, of Jean Valjean, who who uh, was a convict. He was a poor man who was hungry, and he stole some bread in order to be able to eat, and he went to prison where he wor- worked uh, hard labor for many years, and then he was let out on parole, and while he was let out on parole, uh, he was traveling and he came to the home of, of this priest and uh, the, the, um, uh, the, the priest invited him in, even though he was a convict. convict invited him in and uh, shared the table with him. And in the night, that night, Jean Valjean uh, wrapped up some silver candlesticks to run away. And as he did, he was caught and then brought back to the priest and the priest said, didn't, why didn't you take these you know, he, he, he sent him away with even more and he told him, no, I gave these to him. In that way, Jean Valjean was redeemed, he was bought, and the priest told him to go and, and live a new life. Um. So in doing so, Jean Valjean, he broke parole. He didn't go and report where he was supposed to be. He went to a place and he became a, a laborer and he, with the silver he was able to build up a, something for himself and he ended up becoming a very beloved person in the community. He ended up becoming um, mayor of the community. And he was loved by everyone. But then there was a guard from the prison, um, Javert, Inspector Javert, who came to the town and he recognized Jean Valjean. And this, this policeman, this, this Inspector Javert, was super righteous. He could not live, he could not tolerate any inconsistency, any uh, breaking of the law, no matter how small it would be. And for him to know that Jean Valjean was actually a convict and that he had broken parole, he wanted to do everything he could to get Jean Valjean back into prison. You can watch the movie or read the book if you're interested in more of the story. But basically the idea is Jean Valjean, he could not tolerate any kind of minor violations of the law, and he ends up being the villain He's so righteous that he cannot tolerate anything and he ends up being the villain. While the convict, on the other hand, the person who had a bad reputation, the person who had been in prison, he was the good guy. It's a contradiction. That's a a, a paradox that we see there. And life is sometimes like that. The preacher here reflects on the paradoxes like that. Let's uh, let's read from Ecclesiastes chapter seven, beginning in verse fifteen. In my life, I've seen everything. There is a righteous man who perishes in his righteousness, and there is a wicked man who prolongs his life in his evil doing. Be not overly righteous. Do not make yourself too wise. Why should you destroy yourself? But be not overly wicked, neither be a fool. Why should you die before your time? It is good that you should take hold of this, and from that withhold not your hand, for the one who fears God shall come out from both of them. Wisdom gives strength to the, man who, to the wise man more than ten rulers who are in a city. Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. Do not take to heart all the things that people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. Your heart knows that many times you yourself have cursed others. All this I have tested by wisdom. I said, I will be wise, but it was far from me. That which has been far off, that which has been is far off and deep, very deep. Who can find it out? I turned my heart to know and to search out and to seek wisdom and the schemes of things, and the scheme of things. And to know the wickedness of folly and the foolishness that is madness. And I find something more bitter than death the woman whose heart is snares and nets, and whose hands are fetters. He who pleases God escapes her, but the sinner is taken by her. Behold, this is what I found, says the preacher while adding one thing to another to find the scheme of things, which my soul has sought repeatedly, but I have not found. One man among a thousand I found, but a woman among all these I have not found. See, this alone I found, that God has made man upright, but they have sought out many schemes. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for uh, Your Word. Lord, we thank You that Your Word does not dodge the hard questions. One of the most hard questions that we can fathom is the problem of evil. Lord, how can there be evil when You are good and holy and all-powerful and You made everything? Your Word doesn't dodge that question. But Lord, You have spoken to us. Lord, Lord, You help us to wrestle with that. Lord, we pray that You would give us eyes to see and ears to hear tonight. Father, I need Your grace as I preach Your Word. In Jesus' name. One of the things in the commentary that I read was uh, this is one of the most difficult passages in Ecclesiastes. Uh, Just being able to come up with a unifying theme that that holds things together here, it's it's difficult. And there are, are, are sentences that are just kind of awkward in this passage that are difficult to just kind of untie the knots. So this is a difficult passage tonight. We're going to try to, to bear, bear with me, please, as we, as we look at it. Look at the first verse. In my vain life, I have seen everything. He's reflecting again. The preacher is reflecting. That's much of the way that, that uh, Ecclesiastes takes place. He observes what's going on in the world. And he reflects on that. Of course, um, the author is inspired by God as he's writing Scripture. So as he's reflecting on it, God is probably illuminating his mind to understand things. He says, I've seen in my vain life, I've seen everything. And then he gives us a case. There's a righteous man who perishes in his righteousness. And there's a wicked man who prolongs his life in his evil doing. Maybe you can think of cases like this. Maybe you can think. I mean, you don't have to think long before you can think of someone who was righteous who who died before their time. A child. Or just a good man. I can think of a time when I was in seminary. Um, I remember a guy that I met on the first day during orientation. And... uh, We talked, and I can remember coming back after Christmas break going to see family at the holidays and hearing the news that this same young man that I had met who was preparing for ministry, wanted to give his life-serving Jesus, had been hit by a log truck with both of his parents over the break. And all of them were killed. A righteous man who, who dies young and we think this ought not to happen. And, and we may think of, of people who, who've lived to an old age who were wicked, and we think just I think within the last year or two, Charles Manson passed away, or, yeah, a serial killer, one of the most evil people we can possibly think of. And yet he was allowed to live in prison. I believe he was in his 80s when he passed. We can think of those cases and the preacher struggles with the fact, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. God promises a long life to those who serve Him, doesn't He? In the Ten Commandments, honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land which you live. This is what Paul tells us in the New Testament, that it's that first commandment with a promise. If you obey your parents, you'll have a long life, but It doesn't always work out that way, does it? And so there's there's this tension in our minds. How do we explain this? And also in Deuteronomy, when God is telling His people to be obedient, He promises them, if you obey Me and are careful to do everything I tell you to do, your days will be long in the land. And yet we know that righteous people die young too preacher wrestles with this. He has a strange conclusion to this. As he he thinks on this problem, what does he tell us to do? Verse 16, Be not overly righteous, and do not make yourself too wise. Why should you destroy yourself? That's strange. (laughs) It's like he's saying, well... Righteous people can die young, so don't worry about trying to be righteous. It sounds like what he's saying. So let me put it a little bit different way. If righteousness leads to a long life, and as a person observes that a, a younger person who, who seems to be righteous dies, you might be tempted to think, well, they must not have been righteous enough. So I better be extra, super righteous so that I don't have the same fate happen to me. You follow me there? Maybe. I'll maybe try to rephrase it. If, a, if it's true, if, if it's a given that long life comes with being righteous then when you see someone who dies young in their righteousness, there's a problem. And so maybe the conclusion is that person wasn't as righteous as we thought they were. And so I've got to be much more righteous than that if I want to prolong my life, if I want to manipulate God into giving me a long life. So the preacher, he's not saying forget about righteousness, don't worry about it, you, can, you, can, you, can, you don't have to be righteous because you still can die early. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying don't, don't try to be excessively righteous so that you're manipulating God into giving you a long life like you want. Does that make sense? This is a difficult concept and, and, and I'm not 100% certain that that's what he means. But it's the best explanation I can come up with. Then, he says, be not overly wicked, neither be a fool. So he says, on the one hand, don't be excessively righteous. Don't be super righteous just trying to make yourself so good that God has to accept you. On the other hand, don't be overly wicked either. Of course. We know from our catechism question, what happens to the wicked? <laughs> we just said that together. God is coming and one day will judge everyone. and so He will separate the righteous, those who have trusted in Christ and we're clothed with Christ's righteousness from those who are wicked, who die apart from Jesus. Then he says, it is good that you should take hold of this and from that. Without, withhold not your hand, for the one who fears God shall come out from both of them. Okay, that's, that's a kind of a strange. That's, that's a real tangled up sentence. It's hard for us to understand. Um, I, I think what this is saying is we have to take hold of both of these two poles. One, we're not going to try to be excessively super-righteous to try to make ourselves somehow acceptable and force God's hand to accept us. On the other hand, we're not to be lackadaisical. We're not to be wicked. We're not to dive into sin. Take hold of both ends of this. And here the preacher says, for the one who fears God shall come out from both of them. That one who fears God is going to be the one successful at what he's aiming at right here. Who's going to be able to hold on to both poles. Okay. Got through that. Wisdom gives strength to the wise man. More than ten rulers who are in a city. You can think of a city that is besieged uh, with with armies all around it. And these rulers uh, with their armies are trying to attack this city. But that city can be delivered by someone who's wise. In fact, the preacher tells that kind of a story in a later chapter. Wisdom is better than power than having ten rulers. He's saying wisdom is better than that. And then, surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. We can see this in our experience. We see it in echoes from what the New Testament tells us. We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And every one of us, no matter how good we think we are, if we're really honest with our heart of hearts, we admit, I have sinned. I've broken God's law. That is the entrance into believing in Jesus. That is the entrance into Christianity. It's confessing, I've sinned. Nobody comes to Jesus saying, I've got it all figured out and you should be glad to have me, God. (laughs) No. We all come to Him broken. We all come to Him sinners. We all come to Him in need of mercy. Verse 21. Do not take to heart all the things that people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. Your heart knows that many times you yourself have cursed others. (laughs) Isn't it so easy that we can sometimes be offended by what we hear someone say and, and here the preacher is warning us, don't take it to heart when you hear something talking someone talking about you. Sometimes it may seem like the worst thing that can happen to us that somebody is talking about me behind my back, right? Did you hear what that person said about me? <laughs> right? He says, don't take it to heart. Don't take it to heart. One, because you may hear your servant cursing you. You may hear someone who works for you or someone in your household cursing you. But even more is the second part. Your heart knows that many times you have cursed others. We shouldn't take it to heart We shouldn't get too offended when we hear others talk about us because we know in our heart of hearts, like He said, your heart knows that many times you have cursed others. If we're all honest, we know that when we get offended by someone else talking about us behind our back, and the truth is, if we're honest, we have to admit, we've probably done it before too. Love covers a multitude of sins. In fact, forgiveness, that, that, is, that is so essential to what Jesus taught us about being forgiven. He, he taught us that, that if you want to be forgiven, you can't withhold forgiveness from someone else. He, he tells the parable of the person who was forgiven a whole millions of dollars worth of a fortune. And yet, that person turned around and then didn't forgive someone of just a small amount, and the first person who had done the forgiving heard about it and threw the man into prison. God wants us to forgive one another because we've been forgiven so much. That's the secret to a happy marriage. (laughs) It's forgiveness. It's not by getting everything right all the time. (laughs) Or... Keep honey happy. <laughs> That's not the, the secret to a happy marriage. It's forgiveness. It's just it's remembering, I've broken too. I've sinned and I've, I've fallen so many times. How can I not forgive? And then, moving on, he says... Verse 23, all this I have tested by wisdom. I said, I will be wise, but it was far from me. That which has been is far off and deep, very deep. Who can find it out? Ecclesiastes, the preacher here in Ecclesiastes, he's testing everything by wisdom. Earlier in another chapter, he talked about how he tested himself with physical stimulation, with money, with all kinds of things to to know what was good in life. And here he says, I have tested by wisdom and said, I will be wise. He was determined. I'm going to be wise I'm going to figure this out. all of my resources I will put into finding an answer to this question what's the question? I think it's what he's reflecting on in the in verse 15 Why is it that a righteous man might die young or a wicked man might live a long life? why does this paradox exist? He says, I will be wise. I'll figure it out. But then he says, it was far from me. It was too much. I couldn't figure it out. That which has been is far off, very deep. Who can find it out? At the end of his search for wisdom, at the end of all of his seeking after knowledge, it's still a mystery to him. still a mystery to him how this could be this way in this world. And then he says, I turned my heart to know and search out and to seek wisdom and the scheme of things and to know the wickedness of folly and the foolishness that is madness. He's self-reflecting again. He's saying, I set my heart to know this wisdom. He's determined to know all about wisdom and to know the madness that is here in this world. The madness and the vanity of this world that he observed. And then he says, and I find something more bitter than death. He's seeking to know wisdom and this is what he finds. I found something more bitter than death, he says. What is it that is more bitter than death? The woman whose heart is snares and nets, and whose hands are fetters. He who pleases God escapes her, but the sinner is taken by her. We read something similar in the book of Proverbs, in Proverbs chapter 5, and in Proverbs chapter 7. The adulterous woman is pictured this way: someone who is flattering, someone who who, it it is shown as, as sweet as honey. And yet, her mouth is an open grave. Her feet go down to death. It it pictures her luring a fool away to come and have a moment of pleasure with her. And then her husband finds her and kills the man, the fool. It leads to death. Solomon, or the preacher, reflects on this same idea. and Maybe it's through sexual temptation, whether it be an actual person, whether it be pornography, or maybe it's in other realms, other kinds of addictions, drug addiction, that, that thing that gets its clutches in a person, Opioids and other, other kinds of, of drugs that are, that are ripping communities apart, that are killing people. It gets its clutches in a person. Or maybe... Um, I had another example in it. It tells us that the wise man, the one who pleases God, escapes her. Escapes from this addiction. Escapes from this temptation. The one who pleases God escapes her, but the sinner is taken by her. Behold, this is what I found. He says another thing that he's found, says the preacher, while adding one thing to another to find the scheme of things which says, "My soul has sought repeatedly, but I have not found." He, he, he's setting himself, setting it up. Still, he's saying, "This is what I found while my soul was searching for the scheme of things." What's the scheme of things? It's, it's. Uh, literally conclusion, I I think uh, by the scheme of things here, he has in mind the explanation, the answer to the question of why this paradox exists. The explanation of of life and and why the world is the way it is. As he seeks to know this, he, he sought it repeatedly, but he cannot find it. And then he says, one man among a thousand I found but a woman among all these I have not found. Now this is this might sound chauvinistic. <laughs> I found one man in a thousand and a woman I've not found. As if he's saying that men are better than women, but no, it's not. I, I think the, 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 the point here is that it's extremely rare to find the kind of righteous man that he's talking about. And in fact, the truth is, There's none righteous. None righteous. That one man, the only one man that was righteous was Jesus. In the last verse, see this alone I found, that God made man upright. They have set up many schemes. So this is the conclusion he comes to the end of all this. He's asking the question, why is it that a righteous man dies young and a wicked man may live a long life? At the end of all of this search, he says, God made man upright, but they sought out many schemes. It's not God's fault. God made us right. Think back in the garden. He made man and woman, Adam and Eve, in the garden to live in perfect harmony, perfect peace, where everything was taken care of them. God made man upright, but they have sought out many schemes. Eve and Adam tried to find knowledge of good and evil from eating the fruit. And we have followed in their stead. We have all sought out many schemes. And that word schemes is the same one above. He was trying to find the answer, the the scheme, the answer to to the explanation of why the world is this way and what has man done. They've sought out every kind of other explanation of the world. we think of People who try to deal with the problem of evil apart from God, evolution, naturalism, nihilism, there's no meaning in anything. We've all sought out many schemes trying to escape our Creator. So, where do we conclude here? There was really only one righteous man, and that was Jesus. And he was a righteous man who died young. He was in his early 30s. He never sinned. He was taken and crucified between two thieves like a common criminal. He opened not His mouth. He did it willingly. Jesus went to the cross and died for you and for me to take our place. We're all sinners. He went to the cross to take our place, to pay our debt, to take our punishment. The answer to this problem is I think is solved in Jesus. We ask the question why do the righteous die young? And the answer is there is none righteous. But the one who was righteous, we're glad for what he did. We wouldn't want any different than that he would come and take our place so that we could be forgiven if we trust in Him. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.